Hello, and welcome to what is probably going to definitely be the first episode of Tolkien Talk. Now, and this is coming out on a very special day because this is Gerald Tolkien's birthday. I'm Chase Smith, and joining me on this podcast was John Cox and Katie Sabo. To be fair, they're the more important people here. I'm just taking a back seat because I know almost nothing about J.R.R. Tolkien. Nothing at all. I've never read Lord of the Rings. I've never read The Silmarillion, which we'll be reading right now. Uh, we read the first section of the book, which basically is the prologue, which, for the life of me, I am not going to try to pronounce right now. But that is what we talk about in this first episode of Tolkien Talk. Alright, so we basically decided, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and Chase, who was playing Shadow of Mordor at the time, said, you know, I realized I don't know about most of Lord of the Rings. And so I kind of briefly went into detail on what Mordor used to be, where the orcs came from. But being me, my my long story, or my short story, my long story short was a long (laughs) story long. And I basically gave him like the 15 minute Silmarillion. So then we decided that we would just read The Silmarillion and then The Hobbit and then Lord of the Rings because the three of us have a very different take. We have Katie, who is kind of... Well, tell us here. Well, so yeah, my my history with Lord of the Rings began, uh, I guess, probably with my mother, um, who has been an avid Tolkien fan her entire life since since she first read The Hobbit. Um and she raised me on Tolkien, basically. When I was a very, very young girl, she would read me... We started... The first book that she read... Well, not the first book she read me, but the first significant book that she read me that really formed my youth was The Hobbit. And I especially remember it because at the time, I was I was pretty young, but I was old enough to, to, to be able to read. So while my mom was reading it with me, I would read the poems and the songs. Um, and then she would read the rest of the text. And so on and so forth. I grew up... Um, basically being brought up on, on Tolkien and, of course, the, the, the principles and whatnot that you learn from his, his works. So uh, I'm really excited to get into this and uh, educate our dear friend Chase. <laughs> yeah, because me, uh, I know who uh, Frodo is and I know who Gollum is. I think that's it. I, I don't really know. I, I, watched, I watched all the Lord of the Rings movies and the extended editions. And I watched all the Hobbit movies. I hated those. <laughs> As you should. And, and see, that's it. That's all I know. Oh, and, I play Shadow of Mordor. That's and, it. And that's another of our motivations is that there is a multitude, a vastness of works by Tolkien. Not uh, merely confined to what we're going to be reading here. There's you know poems and other short stories and Lost Tales. Lost Tales. And then there's Mr. Bliss, which is a really fun kid story. And then there's the Tales from Father Christmas or Letters from Father Christmas, which is also a really fun kid story. The man was a genius. He invented a world. And what we're going to do is read through that world. And my, um, my, my grasp on his works is, whereas Katie's a lifer and Chase is the uh, newborn, <laughs> I'm kind of in my Tolkien adolescence in that <laughs> I, I'm, I'm holding my eighth grade copy of the Silmarillion that is battered. Uh, but beyond a certain page, the, or beyond a certain point, the pages have just not been turned. Mm-hmm. Because, like so many people, I gave up about two-thirds of the way into the Silmarillion. It's not uh, for the faint of heart, I will yes. tell you that. <laughs> I, have, I have read all of The Hobbit, and I've read most of The Lord of the Rings. So I have kind of the, 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 the middle-of-the-road understanding of what we're talking about. I will say this. I, I do really like fantasy. 
And I know that this is kind of like like a beginning point in some this sorts is like for a the, lot of like modern day fantasy. Tolkien is like the yeah. Arthur C. Clarke of fantasy. Yeah, that makes sense. Basically, okay. basically, like Tolkien created for fantasy what there is in just you know plain old history and literature. Tolkien mm-hmm. created an entire world, an entire history for his world. And that's what we're getting into. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, I, I was based upon what I read this past uh, couple weeks. Yeah. All right. So let's go through what we have read. So what we have read so far. Uh, we read the first two parts of the Silmarillion. Uh, Katie, do you know the actual pronunciation? Well, actually, I want to backtrack just a little bit okay. though first and introduce because uh, we are starting with the Silmarillion. And so first I wanted to just give a little introduction. What is the Silmarillion? Because uh, not everyone may know. So uh, basically, the Silmarillion was published in 1977, actually four years after Tolkien died. Um, his son, Christopher, edited everything uh, and, and put it together and uh, later published it. But the writings that are found in the Silmarillion... Uh, actually date back. There are some of his earliest writings. He wrote this stuff before he wrote The Hobbit, before he wrote The Lord of the Rings. Most of this stuff was chronologically some of the first stuff that he that he wrote. So this was like him like him like trying to hash out like his he, world yeah, and exactly. scribbling down like and, and the rumors go that he kind of started this project in the trenches of World War One. That's that's the truth. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um so basically the Silmarillion uh the full title is Quenta Silmarillion, which means the history of the Silmarils, and we're going to get into that later as we read through it. I don't remember reading it last. Um, well, no, you, you, you haven't yet. You haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. Um, so basically what it is, is, is it's a history of Middle-earth, mm-hmm. um, a la Bethilda Bagshot, a history of magic, only I think this is probably quite a bit more interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the... I mean, it's very, very dense, and one yes. of the reasons why I wanted to come back and reread the Silmarillion is I have now gone through high school, college, and grad school, and I appreciate dense text more mm. than kind of light ones now. What we're reading is a history book. Yeah. Uh, there are stories, tons of stories, tons of characters, names that you'll never remember, but the stories are important. Now, now okay, it, to, to start this off, and this is just kind of me reading it, I didn't quite get a grasp of this, because I, I, I feel like I've kind of come to this place where I'm reading this and it feels not necessarily more like history this comes from the fact i've been reading other things that are fantasy mm-hmm. that have been questioning their history mm-hmm. is this actually meant to be the history or is it just philosophical or religious like is it theological or is it is it actually like meant to be this was the history you as the reader know this but the characters in the future don't because it's so far in the past yes okay Yes, both. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> and it's because, see, what had happened was, um, the, the Silmarillion details everything that happens in the first age. Uh, those of us who know uh, what happens in the Lord of the Rings, whether you've seen it from the movies or read it in the books, that's the third age. So all of this is, this is your origin story and your basis and your foundation for everything that will come to pass and will have an effect on the fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um much down and there's not really like a time like you, it's not based upon time with ages it's just events well you, okay so when the lord of the rings there are certain figures that are ageless mm-hmm. yes. there's gandalf there's sauron some of the elves and you will it's not exclusively related to them but you will see what gandalf is where he came from what sauron is why he's evil how the elves got to middle earth um, How the world was brought into being. That too. <laughs> I uh, mean, just, just a minor thing. <laughs> why there's the sun and the moon. Uh, what happened to Numenor and why um, 
Strider, what's his name? Aragorn, Aragorn. Aragorn. is so long lived. Like all of these things have their roots in the Silmarillion. So it's part it's part like actual history text and it's part kind of um, eschatological Tolkien universe. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, because I noticed a bunch of names that sounded familiar to me popped up within what we read or what I read this past few weeks, which was like Morgoth is a name I know of. Yes. I, you, I know you, that name. You will have heard Morgoth. Um, not necessarily. I feel like it's not mentioned in any of the like movies, but I feel like it was mentioned in Battle of Five Armies. Like r- randomly someone said that and it freaked me out. I was like, I know that. I know that name. <laughs> Where yeah. do I know that from? <laughs> you, you, you see little bits and pieces that have been pulled um, when, you know, it's kind of like a little dig. Oh, hey, let's let's put this in here. Um and actually, you know, some of the stuff that, that fleshed out uh, the Hobbit movies were was inspired on things from the appendices and yes. all that. The, so. the garbage <laughs> Specifically from the appendices of Return of the King and not the yes, Silmarillion. not the Silmarillion. Because but, of rights. Mm-hmm. Because oh, they, held, okay. they held the rights to Return of the King, which includes the appendices. Yes. They do not hold the rights but to the Silmarillion. But not to the Silmarillion. Because Christopher Tolkien will, after seeing what happened, never let those <laughs> Never let, he will take those to his grave. <laughs> um... So that's, you know, our basic setting. What is a Silmarillion and why we should read it, as we should. Um, so before we actually read the Silmarillion, as it were, uh, there are two short stories, and that's what we're going to discuss today. Uh, so first we read Ainulindale, which is the myth of creation, basically. Um, and it centers around the music of the Ainur. There was a lot of talk of songs, yes. mm-hmm. and they were all singing, and I imagine this, like, like ectoplasmic void <laughs> filled with these unimaginable god beings, the, what are they called again? Einir. Einir? Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're all singing at each other, and, like, like one, all the songs, like, worked together in harmony, but there was mm-hmm. one that, you know, didn't. Yes, well, and so whose voice first brought them into song though because that's what's really important here you have you have you have your your creator the one Iluvatar who is known Iluvatar yeah I wrote that down yeah the elves call him Iluvatar um I guess that makes sense with the alliteration of his name never mind go out (laughs) (laughs) so Iluvatar creates the Ainur and then uh communicates first everything that we hear first through, through the first you know what half at least of the story is song yeah. and music and chorus and harmony and melody. And, I mean, even mentions that the Ainur are, not, not that they're blind, but they just don't have concept they, of sight. They don't have a concept of sight yet. The first thing that they have a concept of is sound, which is really, really powerful. This, this is kind of like where I was starting to think of this as kind of, like, that wasn't prob- troubling to me. I just, that's where I was like feeling like this is kind of feels like a faith tale, but Oh, what absolutely. Is? Every yeah. every religious tradition, every culture has a creation myth, right? Yeah. Uh, whether we crawled from one world into the next or, uh, you know, we're... Or the Lord Zenu <laughs> put us in spaceships that look like 737s and crashed <laughs> us into volcanoes. Or whether we were sung into being, um, as Tolkien wrote. And honestly, as origin stories go, it's one of my favorite. <laughs> And I mean, a lot of a lot of kind of primordial origin stories are just lists of things. Oh yeah! yeah. I mean, oh yeah. yeah! Look at look at Genesis and Exodus. It's right. like he who begat him, who begat them, who begat this person. And there are so many begats. Yeah. <laughs> or I mean, 
like in my humanity studies like i've read the enuma elish like the ancient sumerian and it's just like lists of rivers and their names mm -hmm. so tolkien being a philologist is i'm sure kind of aware of the uh, universality of this trait in most in most creation myths and i think it probably informed the fact that this is largely just like oh and this person started to do that and this person started to do that which we, we actually see more of in the next story but it begins mm -hmm. here right so basically what happens is Iluvatar creates the world and then sings the Ainur into existence and starts to give them things to sing. Uh, he created them kind of in a hierarchy in Melkor. The most powerful Ainur is like, hey, I can do my own thing and starts to sing a different, a different song. And so Iluvatar is like, what's up with that? And starts to sing like a third song trying mm -hmm. to go over Melkor. Uh, and what they're doing with these songs effectively is actually creating existence mm -hmm. um, and creating... Oh, that's what was happening. Yes. Okay. Right. I... And see, how it's described is that all of the, the, the songs are harmonious, but then you have Melkor coming in, and you it's like... I, I just love, linguistically, I love the words he chooses to use to differentiate between Iluvatar's song and Melkor's song. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's... That's what was happening. Because the way I, I was, the way I was reading it, I felt like it was more like that. That songs were happening, but then like the creation of the earth happened like almost after that. Like there was like some weird defilement of their space, and they moved towards the earth. But I may have just been reading it too fast or something. Well, so yeah, so they're they're singing right, and mm -hmm. there's all this great music, and you know everything's all nice and harmonious at first, and it's like nothing anyone has ever heard, and nothing will ever hear anything like it again until the end of days. Um, all of the Ainur are you know harmonious and going along with this nice theme, and then you have Melkor, who as as John said decided that hey I have this my own ideas and thoughts, and I'm going to try and you know thrust them. Upon everyone. Everything should be flat. Everything <laughs> should be like A sharp all the time. Just That's what I think. I'm, I'm try, you're, you're trying to imagine this music. and you're <laughs> Basically, all of the Ainur are the faces, and Melkor is Rod Stewart. <laughs> there we go, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's right. And, it, yeah, it kind of ends with uh, Iluvatar kind of showing them existence and being like, oh, this is existence, and your songs are going to going to flesh it out. And it's kind of this great behold moment, and the Ainur are so taken with it because of all of its glory and beauty and everything. This and is when they can start to This sing. is when, yeah, so they, uh, he, Iluvatar basically puts the uh, auditory <laughs> ideas that they had created and, he and come them. to behold, and then turn them into a vision. Mm -hmm. So then they have this vision, and oh, glory, it's beautiful. But then they see darkness, mm -hmm. because still, though, the world, Ea, has not been created. So it's it's kind of like he gives them a concept and a vision first, and then it has to actually be created again, and then it has to be worked on for ages and ages and ages until the beginning of time. This is all still before the beginning of time. Yes. Oh, I mean, I guess you could say that, like, the way their perception is since they're kind of away from any sort of nothing solid for them right so it'd be the idea it's like oh hey this idea this perception of it might be in fact like them going oh it's real or it happened it's like right and the libertar is out there and they're going no, and he's like, no well no. lots to work lots and of work still to this be is done. completely different <laughs> and the libertar also says like i'm going to create more children mm -hmm. which will become the elves and man and it's almost like their responsibility is to create this world for those children Exactly. 
And the world there was like, it, there was an odd word used as like Arda or Aerda. Uh, so Ar- Arda, yeah. So there, there, there are many names for everything in Tolkien yes. because there are different tongues, different tongues even bet- mm-hmm. uh, between elves. Everything has n- numerous names. We all know right, that Gan- yeah. Gandalf has many names and Aragorn has many names. So does the Earth. That <laughs> um, we had uh, Arda, which was like the prehistoric Earth name for Earth, and then Ea is the world that it is. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, Arda was, like, your concept. So, <laughs> shall we move on to Valaquenta? Or? Um, so, well, we, we can't move on quite yet, because we still had... Um, da, 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 da. So, okay, the, the first age was this time of music, and then no, being... No, this six, is not yet. This, this is, before is before still before the first So, this is still before the first age. So, the first age, so the first age in, has to involve elves and people. Yes, like well, elves well, and men. Remember that we're still actually before the Silmarillion yes. right now. Okay, this, this is, is all build up. Yeah, right. this is this is just our creation story. How the world. This is, is the prologue. Yeah, this is exactly this is the prologue. Um, so uh, anyway, so the the Ainur, um, once the world was actually created, were given the choice whether to stay with Ilúvatar or some of them were to go down. Um, and descend to the earth and actually create, uh, continue to cultivate this vision that they had had. Because again, it was once the world was created, it still wasn't the the vision that they had seen. Right. Still, work had to be done. So. So w- w- would you say that like their perceived notion of the earth was like like divine, and then like actually seeing the earth created was like, oh, that's it. Is that kind of like the is that kind of the idea? It's like Noah who had a vision and had to incorporate They had to see that vision fulfilled. Yes. Right. Um and you know, in the in the the uh the 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 image that Iluvatar had created. Yes. Um so the Ainur that descended uh are known as the Valar. And they are the powers of the world. So again, different name. Same thing. <laughs> so to put this roughly into a probably a more familiar context, imagine like the Greek pantheon, like the Valar are the the gods who live on Mount Olympus. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, this was the point where it got to the story where it was just, it was just basically a giant list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was saying like, oh, this person, this, and they did this, and their weakness was this. <laughs> right. Um, but so uh, kind of near the end of the Ainundale, we have the first big battle among the Valar because Melkor, who, as we saw from the very beginning uh, with his discord in the song, um, was power-hungry and greedy and wanted to uh, take some of the earth for his own and rule over it. Um, the rest of them were you know, loyal to Iluvatar's vision, but Melkor is a greedy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> To put it in layman's terms. Um, so we have a battle uh, for the Dominion of Arda. And all of this is before the elves, of course, still. Um, and then, finally, they had created the habitation for the children of Iluvatar, which are the elves and the men. Mm-hmm. And part of this interplay is that they'll create something and then Melkor will come and destroy it and then they'll like recreate it. Right, right. And there's, yeah, there's struggle between Melkor and uh, some of the other Valar. Uh, things get destroyed and then have to be rebuilt. And 
Yeah. Think it's... like Alsace Lorraine. <laughs> okay. Right. I, and I feel like, and and I know, and I noticed this while I was like reading it was this kind of like feeling of things getting more like solid. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like time didn't mean anything in the first. Like when this started, time didn't matter at all. But then it just right. started to get like more solid as you're reading it. It's a movement from ethereal to corporeal. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely, things are definitely more solidified because still, you know, we we started in the void. And then we had sound, and then we had vision, and now we have, like, you know, existence. Sticks and stones. <laughs> Sticks and stones, and things that the earth is made of. And all of them are beautiful, especially the water. Yeah, the water. Because yeah. it was like a, like, like a reflection of the music exactly. of them. Yeah, yeah. it's the last reflection of the music of Iluvatar. That's a really water. cool image. It's right? a really cool image. And that's why the sea is so important. <laughs> that's why you go across the sea. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Wait, why do they go to... Okay. <laughs> we'll get into well, that yeah. later. Much later. <laughs> so after, now we have Valakrenta. And this tells the nature and the powers of each of the gods. So, so more of a list. Yeah, more of a list. We basically have already heard this story, um, but what we get into more is you know the the strengths and weaknesses of all of the uh, mm-hmm. all of the Valar. So there were there were fourteen Valar, and they're paired seven male Valar, seven female Valar, and uh, some of them are spouses. Some a of couple them of them are not. Uh, there's kind of a hierarchy within, uh, and they each have different kind of responsibilities within the world. And different, like, yeah, domains. Um, some some of them are, you know, uh, like, almost exalted or revered, rather, by men, by elves and men based on their domain. There, there was one that was interesting to me. I cannot remember the name of it. Um, I, unfortunately, read this on a, on a, on a drive. There are many, many, many <laughs> and names. I realized about some point when I finished it, I was like, maybe I should have done that. <laughs> uh, but there was one in particular I really found interesting who... Uh, doesn't show himself to people at all. Oh, yes. So part part of what they mention, and or part of what he mentions in these stories, is that the the Valar don't really have forms. They they, they right. take forms. and When it, they want to, if they want yes. to. Yes, <laughs> and he, he compares it to humans wearing clothes. Mm-hmm. A human without clothes is still a human. You, you choose to wear clothes to present yourself in a certain context. Right. And so these do the same thing with their... Corporeal form. If they want to yeah. pr- appear to people. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, at this point, we uh, we learned that Melkor, uh, you don't call him that anymore. You call him Morgoth. Morgoth. And because, that, that was the name I knew. <laughs> yeah. In, in falling, basically, from his place of goodness, um, he's forsaken that name and nobody uses that name on Earth. So he's more goth. So was that like a transition, like a physical transition from him between those, like, one, he was more ethereal, and this is, like, the same way, like, him kind of being like the Earth, and then, like, he's becoming more solid now, of sorts? Well. Like, it, it, like is he, be, I don't know. I, it, that's not like him, I'm not saying, like, he's gaining mortality or anything like that, but is he kind of coming closer to, um, what were they called again, the guys you were just mentioning? Uh, Valar, Valar, Valar. Is he kind of becoming more in line with them? Well, he he has descended down to Earth. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he's... He is a Valar. He, yeah. he is a Valar. He is Valar. Valar. Yeah. But he's one of the Valar. But he's not 
allied with them. Yes. Got it. So okay. there are the 14 good ones, and then there's him. Yeah. And, and Morgoth means the dark enemy of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things that he starts to detail in Valaquenta uh, is what's what's beneath the uh, the, Viar, the Valar, mm-hmm. and it's the Maiar. And so Maiar are kind of roughly equivalent to demigods and this hierarch- uh, hierarchy that we've established. Uh, there's some Maya that are specifically tied to it, a certain Vala. Um some of them are like servants of one yes. of the... Okay. Uh, and so I'm just going to read this this paragraph because it's going to be relevant uh, when we get to Lord of the Rings. So in Dun-dun-dun. several months. <laughs> um, let me see here. So they're talking about Morgoth, or he's talking about Morgoth. Yet so great was the power of his uprising that in ages forgotten, he contended with... Is it Manway? Manway? Manway. Manway. And all the Valar, and through long years in Arda, held dominion over most of the lands of the earth. But he was not alone, for of the Maiar, many were drawn to his splendor and the days of his greatness, and remained in that allegiance down into his darkness, and others he corrupted afterwards to his service with lies and treacherous gifts. Dreadful among these spirits were the Valaraukar, mm-hmm. <laughs> the scourges of fire that in Middle-earth were called the Balrogs. Demon hey. Of hey! Where have we seen Balrogs before? <laughs> among those of his servants that have names, the greatest was the spirit whom the Eldar called Sauron or Gorthaur the Cruel. In the beginning, he was of the, he was of the Maiar of Aule, and he remained mighty in the lore of that people, yada, yada, yada. So basically, there are the Maya. Some were loyal to Melkor when he was Melkor and fell with him. Others he corrupted after he became Morgoth. Others he also tried to corrupted, and then they were later pardoned um, and kept with the good guys. But, you know, we've had we've had basically malcontent from before the beginning of time is the point here. Okay. <laughs> and and then the, the last bit of Alicenta basically says, Sauron is less evil than Morgoth, but only less evil because he was originally good. Yeah. Well, only less evil because he was originally serving someone else yes. and not his own purposes as well. Like, Melkor is... Like the biggest bad of all, yeah, yeah. Because he's always been self-serving. He's always wanted his own power. His evil's never ending. And right. Always was. And always will be. So even though Sauron was doing evil work on behalf of Melkor, it was selfless evil. It was selfless evils. <laughs> so at he's, first. he's less corrupted a personality. Became selfish later, but yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, those were our first stories. That we read. <laughs> it was, I mean, I, I, I might actually, like, go over those again. I, I don't, I, for some reason, feel like the rest of this is not nearly as ethereal, I guess, or as, it, I feel like that, right. that, that this was all set up and it's probably not going to be like that was. I mean, it's not, this is not me saying it was bad. I'm just saying, like, this is, like, I think everything after this is going to be a little bit different, right? Think of these as myths. Yeah. Okay. And then once we get to uh, Quintus Silmarillion, that is actually a history. So to kind of analogize this to the Lord of the Rings movies, at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring, there was that, that three-minute prologue. prologue. About the nine rings. Yes, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of establishing yeah. the world, and then you actually had the movie. Okay. And so yeah. we kind of had the prologue establishing the world, and now we're going to have mm-hmm. what happens. We had our creation myth, and then after we'll have, you know, what what becomes of that creation and yes. the, the, the things that happen in the age of elves and men. All right, then. I'm excited. <laughs> I did. I mean, it's it's. I feel like this year I've kind of gotten into things that have beginnings like this that, that tell these stories that are you're not kind of going. Was it true? Or was it? We don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, it just sets up kind of like the 
religious undertones of the world we're about to explore. So, mm -hmm. yeah. just, what are we reading? Silmarillion. This, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a running the, gag. The, we're, I'm we're sorry, I can't help. It. I can't say it. And, and, really we're, and we're reading the Silver Millennium. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir, we are reading the Silmarillion. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're starting this project t today. January 3rd, because that is J.R.R. Tolkien's birthday. Indeed. And uh, I think it's important for us to let everyone know, and for us to do this as well, is that on Tolkien's birthday, there is a tradition, and you toast in the honor of Tolkien. Um, it's very simple. All you do is you, you, got, you have your drink, you know, alcoholic or non, whatever you would prefer. And everyone stands, and you just say to the professor. Really? Yep. Huh. Um, and that's the customary Tolkien birthday toast. And we do it every year on his birthday. <laughs> In honor of Ronald, as he was often called lovingly by his family. His name is John, John Ronald, Ronald Rule Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> Rule? R-E-U-E-L. R-E, yeah. Weird. R -E -U -E -L. All right. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful British name. I do think that's great. One of the professors I worked under is, uh, his name is R.R.R. Smith. Mm -hmm. Also, for all of you silly Game of Thrones fans out there, George R.R. R. Martin's name, that's an homage to J.R.R. R. Tolkien. <laughs> Basically, I just think everyone needs to read Tolkien because his linguistic choices are amazing. He also <laughs> thought of his own language. He too, also so. created languages, languages several languages. Thing. I mean, if you don't already love the man, you're going to by the time we're through. <laughs> this has been the very first episode of Tolkien Talk, and we will keep going next week with more from the Silmarillion. And as you can tell, I still have not gotten used to saying the name properly. I will probably eventually, just not right now. If you want more podcasts from Warp Zone Network, just go to warpzonenetwork.com or look for us on iTunes. Just search for Warp Zone Network. And if you would like to support us in any way, we do have a Patreon account. Just go to Patreon, search for Warp Zone Network. Just throw us a few dollars to kind of keep the things going. And if you want more of this, uh, you're going to have to wait. This is the first episode, so expect more in the future. Thank you for listening, and everybody should toast to the professor. <laughs>